This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 189 for January 2024, with Gabe Hughes on Christians and Entertainment. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. Gabe Hughes is pastor of Providence Reformed Baptist Church in Casa Grande, Arizona. He's also an author and creator of WWUTT, or When We Understand the Text, a ministry in which he creates YouTube videos, writes books, and has a daily podcast. For this episode, Gabe and I talk about Christians and entertainment. We touch on various aspects from Christian entertainment production to the kind of entertainment that we as Christians are comfortable consuming, and what entertainment do we allow our kids to consume. Video of this episode is available at YouTube, Rumble, the Echozoe Locals page, and embedded in the episode page at echozoe.com slash 189. Our conversation this month is a bit on the informal side, so there won't be much for show notes this episode, but it is the best way to get the video. Finally, I want to remind everyone about the Christian Podcast community. As a member of the Christian Podcast community, I can't recommend it highly enough. There are dozens of fantastic podcasts available at the Christian Podcast community, focusing on a wide variety of subjects and all in a biblical manner. While the podcasters in the Christian Podcast community don't agree on everything, all of them seek to glorify God through their shows. Check them out at christianpodcastcommunity.org. And with that, here's my discussion with Gabe. (laughs) Gabe, a long time no see. How are you? What has it been like? Two weeks? Yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, you're talking not uh, not on the digital, yeah, but in face, person. So. Yeah, I saw you just yeah, a couple well, weeks ago. I, yeah, we were kind of talking about maybe doing this in person uh, a few weeks ago. It didn't work out so well, but had great time as uh, families getting together. You've uh, since our last podcast recording, you've moved from Texas to Arizona. Yeah, so now with this interview, I've been uh, I've done this with you in three states now. So yeah. Kansas was where I was at first. I was in Texas for three years. And now the pastor of Providence Reformed Baptist Church in Casa Grande, Arizona, which is has been wonderful. We've only been here two months, but the church has been great. Uh, the transition's been been terrific, and the kids are really enjoying themselves, too. Cool. And then my in-laws have a second home in Mesa, mm-hmm. which is, what, what was it, about half hour, 45 minutes away from Casa Grande? Yeah, I think getting there uh, to Mesa was only like 30 minutes, but then it was another like 20 getting through Mesa to your oh. <laughs> to where you were at. Okay. So, yeah, we got together and had a great time. It was my first time I got to meet Becky and and, yeah. and the kids and had a great time. We went out to uh, – I, I, I was joking with my kids calling it Organ Grinder Pizza. It's called Organ Stop Pizza. It's <laughs> a really Stop, cool place. Yeah, yeah when I, I came a, back and told a member of the church where I went, 
for dinner the night before he was like oh yeah like, we head out there like once every other month or something so <laughs> yeah turns That's out to cool be a popular stop yeah is the big Wurlitzer organ and they have like you can submit requests and they play or play the organ um while you eat and it's okay pizza but yeah it was very entertaining it was good atmosphere yeah. But it was kind of neat that normally, you know, when I've met you in person before, it's generally been, we're on our way home from there. That's right. And we're stopping in Kansas kind of on the second day of our drive home. And, um, but now you're living down there. So it was kind of neat to say, Hey, come up, bring, uh, bring your kids and uh, jump in the pool. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we're so. still on the route just at the end of the route instead of in the yeah, middle. Which is much better. You can actually yeah. do something like go to dinner and stuff. That's right. But. But, uh, so we were going to do something like this. Like not only did we not, did not work out, but we even changed the topic. So maybe providentially it'll work out better <laughs> this way, but yes. Um, so we're going to talk about enter different aspects of entertainment and Christians uh, with entertainment and Christian entertainment. And how do we, uh, engage in entertainment? You know, what's wise for Christians to partake in with entertainment? Yeah, what are you, especially like with uh, music and movies, especially, because I think that especially in, uh, uh, what do you call it, independent Baptist or, or fundamentalist backgrounds, it's almost kind of like the attitude is you should only be listening to Christian music, only be watching Christian stuff. Was mm -hmm. well, that what we should be doing as Christians? What's wise for us to watch and listen to? What What is permissible? What's not? Um, I, and I think that's a discussion that everybody needs to have, we've certainly had to have it as a family, you know, talking with our yeah. kids about what's okay for them to watch and what not to watch. So this is uh, in a, a very entertainment driven culture can be a wise conversation. Yeah. Um, you had a couple different angles to the Christian thing. And, and I'd like to maybe start with the first angle that you presented to me, which is um, these different kind of fads that come up. Um, whether it be a movie or but different TV shows or whatnot that Christians get into. Um, I think one of the first one on the list was The Chosen. We talked about The Chosen a little bit. That's the most popular thing out there right now, yeah. So that's, the that's of course, the uh, it started as, a, as an app and a streaming show on uh, through an app service that was put out by Angel Studios, which is a, a Mormon-owned entertainment company. And so they were they were financing and releasing the production of the show, which is uh, was a crowdfunded show, in fact. So they did like GoFundMe, that sort of thing. And, and the, the fans would be supporting for paying for the show. And then they've made millions off of it. So you can see through progressive seasons how the show, the budget in the show is definitely bigger. getting bigger. Right. Oh, okay. Because they have a lot more extras now, a lot more costumes, different locations and settings than they sure. did before. So they are uh, they're able to to uh, move those dollars more than they were doing. And and there's merchandising and everything that's gone along with that. I've actually seen people in public. I pass by wearing a T-shirt and I could tell the saying on the shirt was one of the quotes from The Chosen. Uh -huh. So they, they're getting all the I've not been in a Christian bookstore in a long time, but I'm sure you can probably <laughs> find it there as well. Yeah, I have not. Uh, you know, I've just I haven't watched The Chosen. I'm vaguely familiar with it i think uh, almost mostly through what you've done about it um i heard a little bit about angel studios and in fact i think it was through you that i learned that they're mormon because uh I, what i had first learned about angel was um is it the sound of freedom that movie that came out 
Yeah, they also they also uh, produced and released the Sound of Freedom. That's right. Um, and I'm not even sure exactly how that worked because I think that movie was done and it was produced by like Sony or some big production studio made the movie, but then opted not to release it. And Angel, oh, is that right? Yeah, I don't know. I I didn't hear that background. They Angel acquired it and then decided to carry it forward and put it out in theaters and whatnot. And uh, they've got an interesting uh, model. You talk about crowdfunding. Um, I I can't remember who I was listening to, but there was somebody, uh, maybe it was Dan Bongino or something, was talking to those guys about a movie that was coming out. And and their model is they, they have memberships, and you pay for a membership, and then the members will vote on um, proposals for movies or whatnot. And do they want their money to be put into it? And they have to reach a certain threshold before the studio says, yes, we're going to produce this film or this TV show. And, um, but if they get rejected, they can like rework it and bring it back and repropose it. And, um, and that's how uh, there was another movie that's, I don't know if it's come out yet or if it's going to come out that it looked really interesting and it's got that, I can never remember his name. The there's this famous actor that's in it. He's he's uh, not Mormon. He's I think he's Catholic. Are you talking Jim Caviezel? No, I'm thinking of um, I, I I can picture him in my head. I watch my kids <laughs> and I watched like um, and this kind of can go into our later discussion. Um, got into like the Flash on CW. Okay, yeah. And then uh, for a while, I I was into. Um, the flash came out of green arrow or, or arrow, uh, was the show. And, and this guy played the, the bad guy on arrow, hmm. uh, McDonald. I want to say McDonald or something like that. But if you talk, I can look him up, but anyway, <laughs> well, um, you know, as we're, as we're kind of talking about entertainment choices, I, I didn't even, it didn't even register with me, your background. Like, like literally your background, you've got a Death Star behind you there, and the ATAT. <laughs> There's the yeah, warp core from Star Trek. The, the my mother-in-law bought me the Death Star like one of the first Christmases after we were married. Uh, Lego, yeah, yes. and then the ATAT, the warp core. I made two of them. Um, one, one went to James here, White, and one went to James White. Yes, I remember still, that. Still on, he uses that on his, in his uh, studio. And then but, the TARDIS there. Doctor Who. Uh, and I'm not actually into um, Doctor Who. I could never really get into it. I couldn't either. I'm with you. <laughs> I have a 3D printer, and I saw this, and, and uh, I thought, oh, that'd be, that would look cool. And I'm sure if it ever shows up on a video, somebody would appreciate it. But, yeah, um, yeah I made this because I thought the TARDIS was cool, not because I watched the show. But. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> then the, uh, the Back to the Future license plate you got under there. So I'm catching, yeah, yeah. I'm catching the vibe. You know, that's kind of why I decided I was really, really good. Normally, we, oh, bonk. Sorry for your ears there, listeners. We're really um, professional. Yeah, exactly. So normally I sit with my back against that wall over there. And then the camera is over by these, uh, these cupboards, these cabinets over here. So the camera's looking over there. And normally how I do this, and, and I had it set up that way tonight, and, and I had it some time to kill before we came on, and I said, oh, you know, I'm going to maybe go the other way. I don't do it that <laughs> often. And, yes, serendipitous that we did now that you brought it into the discussion. The movie was called The Shift is coming out. Oh, I know which one you're talking about. I almost went to go see that uh, because I, I kind of got in a mode at the end of 2023 where I was reviewing films 
Um, I had watched Journey to Bethlehem. I went, uh, I actually rented and watched The Prince of Egypt again because it was the 25th anniversary of the movie. Uh-huh. And The Shift was playing at a theater near to us. And in case there are people that don't know what this movie is, it's kind of a modern twist on the book of Job and uh, and even kind of brings in multiverse stuff that has been popular in the Marvel films lately and things like that. So there's this okay. there's this character um, who is called the benefactor. And I think that's the actor that you're referring to. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to look him up on IMDb here. I couldn't remember his name either. McDonough sounds right. I know he is Catholic. the The guy you're thinking of is Catholic. That is his. Well, background. he is. He he has uh, come on and talked about his uh, his strong faith, mm-hmm. and so I had to look it up because I thought, well, this sounds kind of cool. I always like hearing you know some popular figure uh, maybe has saving faith, but I'm always skeptical. Is it you know like Kanye and uh, uh, recently and stuff? And now uh, when you came down, I showed you this tweet I saw where Hulk Hogan got baptized. Yes. I'm a little curious about that. You know, I'm always skeptical. Okay. Was this, is, is it saving faith or is he caught up with a cult or is he caught up with, you know, you know, my, my in, instinct, my gut with Hulk Hogan was, I bet he's in a word faith church, but who knows? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, cause in the past he has proclaimed faith in Christ. He was uh, interviewed with um, uh, Ed Young Jr. At fellowship church in, uh, in Dallas, in the, in the Dallas area. So he's had, faith-based professions and things like that before I saw that he got baptized and great. You know, I don't have any reason to have to stand up and go, no, this isn't legit. I hope that it is, but it's one of those things where over time I'm going to see if this was really a real thing rather than, you know, because of social media and everything, we're so quick to pass judgment. feel like we got to get our voice out there and make some sort of judgment call on it, but it's not a reason to have to say anything about it right now. (laughs) Yep. Neil McDonough is uh, Neil McDonough. Yep. Is, I remember uh, that now his name, but yeah, like I said, I think of him cause he was, um, I want to say Damien dark on uh, arrow, the, the big bad guy. Okay. You know, uh, it's funny about that show arrow. Uh, I remember seeing previews for it and, and I, it did not register with me that it was green arrow. I was a comic book kid, grew oh, up reading comic yeah. books. Green arrow wasn't one of them, but I would read like justice league. And, um, uh, when I saw it, I was like, well, that's kind of funny. It kind of looks like green arrow. It was. <laughs> and yeah. I think it wasn't until the second, uh, the second season that I realized, Oh, that show is about green arrow. So. Yeah. And I didn't get into it until probably fourth or fifth season. It'd been out for a while. I have people were raving about how great it was. Um, of course then, uh, Oh, what was his, uh, I'm, st- I, I'm bad with names. If you <laughs> Me too. Don't worry about that. Frank, Frank Turk. Um, used to be on Twitter a lot. Yes, I right. I know who you're talking about. Podcast yeah. with him. Um, I remember he was into Arrow too, but then all of a sudden, like, stopped. And it's like, yeah, I just got tired of people beating up women all the time because <laughs> oh, a yeah. lot of the characters were women and they were in there fighting just as much. Then you have to got fight, to be, right? Yeah, it we got to be like men beating up women a lot, and I thought, well, that's kind of puts. I thought I kind of enjoyed the show, but that's a sour way to look at it. Yeah, sure. Well, the the guy that played Arrow in that show just this last year. So so at the end of 2023, Becky and I did uh, the top 40 Christian events of the year or Christian Mm -hmm. events, Christian news stories. Some of those big stories that kind of came out of Christendom that uh, uh, had a a large evangelical response, that sort of thing. 
one of the stories that I came across, I did not use it. It was it wasn't one of the bigger stories of the year. But the guy that used to play Arrow, who's now Reacher on the Amazon show Reacher, oh, I've not watched guy? this. I, yeah, I've not watched this show. This is not a promotion or <laughs> okay. or a recommendation. For I the haven't show, watched so. it either, but I just saw something else where somebody who does watch it was like, yeah, I'm watching this. I, it's a good show. Yeah. I can't say that he's worth, he's somebody whose recommendation I take. Uh, right. Well, with a grain of salt, but. So anyway, with this actor, the guy that played Arrow, he was, he was in a, this apparently went viral, but he was in this argument with this gal who was making these atheist claims and he was pushing back from Christian perspective. And I I know this guy, I've watched a few interviews with him. He can be kind of mouthy. He can, he can okay. be very crude and crass. So I'm skeptical as to where he thinks he is as far as being a professing Christian. But it was kind of interesting to me that he did have this debate online in 23, where he was taking a more uh, theist side, opposing the atheist and pushing back on this gal and, and, uh, uh, contesting Amell, with her atheist claims. Yeah. Oh, that's his name. Stephen Amell is the play played Oliver Queen. Gotcha. Arrow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I just as long as I got IMDb looked up or, or up, I thought I'd look it up. That's yeah. That's the I've got that app too. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a website on my phone. Yeah. Right. But. So we're kind of we're kind of talking. You know, the, these things are so common in the cultural discourse here, we're just having an exchange on things. You've got, you know, different icons from different sci-fi things that you've enjoyed in the past. Um, there's a reason why I don't collect that stuff. I used to, I used mm -hmm. to collect comic books, even and like I said before, I was a comic book reader and I was a kid. When I moved from Texas to here to Arizona, I gave away the last of my comic books. I had a okay. friend who was bigger, uh, was, was real big into comics as well. And I thought, you know, I want these to go to somebody who would appreciate them. And mm -hmm. so I gave them to him. Some people were telling me I, I was, I kind of put it out on social media and I had asked some friends, what should I do with these comic books? Should I just toss them? Or do you think I should give them away? And some people were saying, why don't you give them to your son? There are books in there. I, I did not want my kids to read. And yeah. it, and I bought them because they had value. So like I said, used to be a collector expected that those books would accumulate or increase in value. There's some yeah. graphic novels and stuff that I kept. I didn't throw everything away entirely, but the um, uh, certain comic books, I had the entire line of that comic book. And uh, and yeah, it was just a sort of a thing where I don't know that that this would be good for my 12-year-old to read. So that was one yeah. of those decisions as a parent I'm making with regards to the entertainment that I think is okay for my kids and what's not okay. So I uh, had... Um, had passed that on to somebody else. And, you know, with, with my own children, um, I do screen what it is they watch and what they listen to. Uh, I think as a parent, you should, I think that, mm -hmm. I think it would be unwise not to know what your kids are watching and what you're getting into. So there's some level of that we're constantly involved at, uh, involved in, whether we love movies or comic books or read novels or whatever else, some people do, some don't. I have a friend who he doesn't read novels at all. Everything he reads is is nonfiction, and so, yeah. so it, it, there's a lot of different tastes um, behind a person's entertainment choices, and so much variety and so much subjectivity that I largely try to avoid the subject. But yeah. I think that, uh, and, and, I, and I have some you know past reasons why I tend to not want to talk about it at all. But I sure. think it's because of my children. 
and the things that they're interested in and growing into. Uh, and and I, I like talking about those things with my kids, that it's becoming more regular for me to be outspoken about some of our entertainment choices than I used to be. Yeah. Um, I feel like I kind of, I kind of derailed some of what we were leading to, but, um, you know, we talked about the chosen, uh, briefly a little bit. I think I derailed when we went into angel studios, but, um, <laughs> that's right. I, I'd like to like get back on task and, and talk about, you've got, you've done some great stuff with, with when we understand the text on, uh, on the chosen, but then you also mentioned Prince of Egypt mm-hmm. and there was another one, um, uh, journey to Bethlehem. Journey, journey to Bethlehem. I, sorry, I haven't heard of it. Um, I, I think it's it'd be good to just talk about th- that side of things, like the the production side. So let's talk. Yeah, like the Christian, the entertainment that we call Christian entertainment first. Yeah, and then we get into like, okay, now when it comes to all the rest of entertainment, what what's and, wise? And then for when us you to, mentioned those, I said well, I think the last like popular one that I was familiar with was Left Behind. And we're talking yeah. <laughs> like the Kirk Cameron left behind, not the right. Nicholas Cage left behind or the, now you just told me uh, Kevin Sorbo left behind. Yeah, that's right. But so he, I, like, he old just did school one left behind. Right. <laughs> yeah. He just did one. So there was uh, a left behind movie that came out in January of 23. So just a year ago, okay. it only made like $2 million at the box office or something like that. But it, it starred Kevin Sorbo in that leading role. So they're still doing left behind movies. Yeah somebody's watching them. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, what's your take on that as far as like the quality of, of, of entertainment that Christianity is putting out that, that these, these Christian studios. Well, obviously we're, I think it's become so much easier to produce things then, oh, sorry, I had something fall off my wall over here. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we're very professional here. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely easier. I, my first thought is like, we got two schlubs with podcasts. Here. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, look at us. We got cameras yeah. and microphones, and we're just uh, chatting about entertainment here. Yep. So, uh, it, yeah, it's easier to produce things. Uh, it's easier to be a content creator, especially with YouTube. If you've got a YouTube channel and you're posting videos on that channel, you're automatically a content creator. And I heard somebody talk about this with regards to Twitter and X as well. Twitter slash X, whatever you call it now. Um, is Twix, it like, I think is the name. What's that? Twix. That's right. We'll it's just kind call of it a, a mix yeah. of Twitter. and. Anytime you make a post, you've instantly made content that you've now put out online. And that's what makes, that's what makes Twix different than uh, a service like um, Instagram or Facebook when you post content there, it's not even searchable on Google. So you can't search somebody's Facebook on Google, but you can search somebody's, you know, Twitter X account uh, sure. through Google. Uh, and same with YouTube. So, and YouTube's just cranking out just ridiculous levels of entertainment. And you can, you the options that you have are practically limitless. And my son has gotten into uh, like uh, uh, watching video game clips that people will make. Um, oh, not, not right. of the stuff where they've got the head headset on and you're hearing them talk about it. It's not that cause they can tend to be mouthy. So I don't, <laughs> we, don't <laughs> okay. we don't let our kids watch those videos, but just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they'll just be playing a video game and they will record what they're playing and then add captions to it. And it's often pretty hilarious. 
And, and so it's amazing what you can make uh, and how easy it is to make this and put that content out there for people to enjoy and even get millions of views on it. So because making content is easier than it's ever been, there are incredible, enormous choices, even when it comes to what we call Christian entertainment. So yep. you've got, uh, uh, I know that Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum, they've got a channel where you can download the channel to your Roku or you know, Apple or you know, whatever uh, kind of streaming service you use if you're not using cable, because who's doing that anymore? <laughs> and you can uh, you can subscribe to their creation channel. Um, mm -hmm. Ligonier's got their own channel. I've been subscribed to them and watch stuff off the Ligonier channel. And then probably the big one as far as entertainment output goes is Pure Flix. So uh, just about any of those cheesy Christian movies that you've ever P -U -R, seen. P-U-R-E. Yeah, P-U-R-E. So, sorry, the way you said it, it sounded like you almost said P-E-E-R. Pure flicks, yeah. Pure, yeah. <laughs> no, pure, like purity. Yeah. Um, now, any of those that I've ever watched, and I've seen a few of them. Uh, mm -hmm. and my wife and I, sometimes on a movie night, we would pull up one of those, and just out of curiosity, we would watch it. So cheesy. Sometimes we end up with one that's, you know, on the level of a Hallmark movie or something. And it's not that bad. But most, just about every well, single one it, of them we watch. The Hallmark stuff is not that bad. <laughs> well, you're setting well, a low bar. Let me just say that, like, the Pure Flix tough, uh, stuff tends to be even lower than Hallmark. Let <laughs> me put it that way. At. So like you're setting the bar low when you say the pretty good stuff is like the Hallmarks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So every once in a while, if, when they hit the hallmark level, then that's that that's not so bad. But the, <laughs> but yeah, generally the the theology in those movies is just bad. Like it's on yeah. it, it's on the level of he died and became an angel. Bad, you know that kind of thing. That's oh. the uh, or or it, one of the characters in the show is even God who showed up in disguise or something like that. <laughs> There's a lot of supernatural elements in these pure flick shows. You can tell that it has uh, a lot of charismatic influence um, of what we would typically think of, of uh, uh, you know, ongoing miracles and things like that, which people say happen, but you never really get the chance to witness. It's always kind of anecdotal. So mm -hmm. that's the that's the way a lot of those movies are made. Now the content is often really clean, and so if if you're just looking for clean entertainment choices, then maybe that's something you would want in your yeah. household. But yep. you're going to have to run. Uh, you're going to have to to run defense basically on helping your kids understand if they're going to watch shows theology. like that. This actually isn't biblical, and here's why. Yeah, yeah, and that gets to kind of your second question or second proposed uh, topic of discussion on how do we engage with this stuff and. You know, my attitude has been for so many years, you know, it started with the music and I think mm -hmm. it, it went over into everything, but my attitude is if it's, uh, if it's going to be produced by Christians, but it's not meant to be some kind of theological, uh, treatise in the entertainment, then, you know, I'll, I'll do my best to enjoy it and I find stuff I'll enjoy but if it's like, we're going to retell this Bible story, like you better have some really good theology before, or, or I'm just like, no thanks. Yes. And and really my attitude is I'd almost rather, uh, well, I really would rather just go to the secular stuff 
because that's not it's it's not claiming to be biblical right and you just go in knowing this is not biblical and so it's you know you talk about with the kids it's definitely easier to tell the kids why that's not biblical than something that's from from pure flicks or whatnot um so I set the bar so much higher for Christians and, and it's on a theology. I, I mean, I really don't care about the production value to be the honest. It's, it's the theology. I want strong theology. Mm-hmm. If you're going to claim mm-hmm. to be theological, make it right, make it good. Yeah. So in Philippians four, this is a passage that we often use when it comes to like, how do we wisely decide what we're going to watch, what we're going to let our kids see and things like that. This verse can unfortunately be, applied very subjectively as well. And I think that in in as far as wisdom goes, there is some subjectivity to it, but objective in the sense that this is still spirit-driven truth. So Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is dignified, whatever is right, whatever is pure. So there you have an advertisement for pure flicks right there. There you go. Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, consider these things. So we do need to think about, like in Proverbs, it says that um, the heart is the wellspring of life and uh, out from the heart flows the, the wellspring of life. So you have to be careful about what goes into your heart. As yeah. Jesus said in Matthew 12, out of the overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks. So the, or I got that backwards, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, but the mouth is revealing what it is that's in your heart. And even with entertainment, if you're watching things that's getting into your head, that's getting into your heart, it is, it is shaping your, uh, your conscience to a certain degree. And, uh, and, and sometimes in a lot of ways that we're just not aware of how it shapes us. When I was in college, I split between two majors. Um, I spent most of my time in college as a music major. And then the second half of college, I was a communications major. And it was kind of interesting how sometimes those worlds would intersect. So there was, uh, I remember a course that I took on Muzak. The entire course was on uh, the studies that had been done in music and, and how it affected people's thinking. And so the Muzak Corporation was formed, M-U-Z-A-K. You might even see you know, if you go into a restaurant, if you manage to, to kind of peek into a kitchen or office, you might see that Muzak box that's that's up there in the corner. And that's where they're getting all their music from. And they'll dial it into the speakers. And so it's playing into the restaurant or in at a grocery store or something like that. That music is very specifically chosen. And managers of restaurants or grocery stores or whatever, they're reading the results on here's the songs that you want to be playing that's going to keep people in your aisles shopping longer or at the tables ordering more food they have specifically chosen that music that is that that's going to separate a person from their money so you don't think about how much you're actually being influenced by what we would otherwise dismiss as entertainment uh those things are being are, are being piped into the culture you're surrounded with it all the time and being used in a way that makes you a consumer it, it yeah. makes you think about spending money. Uh, it makes you think about wanting certain things that I think will make me happier. Um, there's every once in a while, I'll come into a song that I remember listening to when I was in high school. And I, I mean, surely anybody can relate to this, but you know, you get those feelings of nostalgia, you get the flashbacks, you remember 
I remember hanging out with this friend when we were listening to this song one time. And, and sometimes I have not liked where that, where hearing that song has brought my brain back to, because it was probably a time in my life I should not be revisiting. And uh, it, it, it's incredible the way that God has wired our brains to remember those kinds of things and how integral, how much music can play a part in all of that. Since, of yeah. course, we're told in scripture that when we gather as the church, we're supposed to sing. We're supposed to um, uh, encourage one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to God. That's in Ephesians 5 and in Colossians 3. So, so God had intended that we would be a musical people. We have an entire book of the Bible that's dedicated to songs. But the, the enemy also, who's referred to in Ephesians 2 as the prince of the power of the air, also knows how to use those things to manipulate you, adjust your thinking, infect your heart. And so these are reasons why we have to be careful. We do need to be wise with what we're letting get into our heads. And there's all the scientific research in the world to show us doesn't matter that you think you can tune it out. It is having an effect. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and I think most of us are aware of uh, at least some of that. I, I guess that Muzak stuff, I'm not surprised. I don't think I've ever heard that before. I'm not surprised. But you think of things like product placement in TV and movies and how they get, they, they make right big contracts over whether a can of, uh, you know, generic soda can be in the background that you barely even see. You know, they won't allow it in unless there's been a contract. Somebody paid for it to be there because they see the power in that. Mm -hmm. But I think we're also kind of reaching a reflection, an inflection point where people are starting to see just how much manipulation goes into our entertainment when we see things like, you know, this whole woke culture. And, you know, I see almost on a daily basis this backlash against uh, this latest movie, you know, like, at, uh, today I was reading about this next Star Wars movie that's going to come out and how over the top woke it was and how oh, the director yeah. was just in your face. We want to make men uncomfortable mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, you know, people are, are waking up to that and less and less people are going to see those movies because, I, hey, I just want to be entertained. I don't want to be preached at from your woke religion. Right. Why not, yeah. You know, there's always been, uh, in, in secular movies especially, there's always been some liberal messaging to it. Sometimes it's kind of it's kind of interesting to evaluate it from a Christian worldview. Sometimes those Christian themes get in there, whether or not they intended that to happen. I'll give you kind of an example of that. Uh, so in the X-Men franchise that was created by Brian Singer, he directed the first two X-Men films. And then uh, there was another guy that got brought on to do X-Men 3, but then it didn't do as well. So they brought Brian Singer back to do a couple of the of the X-Men movies. Well, Brian Singer is openly homosexual. He's kind of been shamed uh, in the culture since then because of pedophilia and some other pedophilia accusations, I think it was. And so he's he's not as notable a name as he used to be. But at one point, he was kind of the prize director when it came to making especially comic book films because he did. uh, He also did one of the Superman movies. But but he was trying to push messaging with the X-Men films and he was trying to push like fitting the homosexual agenda into X-Men. You can kind of pick it up every once in a while. There'll be a certain line of dialogue that you'll go, yeah, I've heard the homosexual agenda say something like that. But the funny thing about all of that, the way that I think that that messaging, he's trying to put the messaging into X-Men, but the way that I think that it backfires is that he actually demonstrates that homosexuality is really, really dangerous for the culture. 
because some of those mutants were really, really bad and they could take over the world and even had aspirations of destroying everything. And it was always kind of like when you know that there was there was some some slight undertones of the homosexual agenda in those X-Men movies, you're kind of watching this going, uh, yeah, you guys are trying to take over and destroy everything like you're outright telling us that's <laughs> that's what you're trying to do. I don't yeah. think that was his intention because he was trying through the good mutants to say we should all be able to get along and be tolerant of one another. But sure. uh, but he inadvertently communicated that, no, the agenda is actually to destroy everything. And and so there's always been in, in these secular movies, there's always been kind of undertones of the messaging, but it's not in your face. And like you would have to know something about Brian Singer to see that that was some of his underlying motivation in, in making the X-Men films. But with the stuff that's out there now, the message is the forefront. Like, like yeah. we're yep. all about the message first, and we're going to use these Star Wars characters to tell it. And, yeah. and that's what wokeness has done, and it's destroying everything. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and it just kind of seems like nobody's learning their lesson. Movies are tanking. Hollywood just went through the, bat, the the worst year it has ever had in 2023. Just about every film but like two, I think it was, that was over $200 million in their budget, every one of them flopped except two films, and it was Oppenheimer and uh, and the Barbie movie. I think that was the only two. So every every one of well, them even was, those I was a bust. Heard, I heard plenty about that just said, no, I'm not interested. Yeah, right. <laughs> Both of them. They were uh, Barbie is actually the highest grossing film for Warner Brothers ever. Like it even has oh, outdone really? all their Batman movies, which is uh, wow. I I never saw the movie. I was kind of with Justin Peters. I'd rather remove my own spleen than watch Barbie. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I never never saw it myself. But uh, but yeah, with everything um, that's being produced now, uh, audiences are getting fed up. Even ones that are probably sympathetic to the message. They're yeah. just like, I don't want to go to a movie to be preached at. I want to go to a movie to be entertained. But they're using these things now as vehicles to push the woke message. That's that's yep. you hit the nail on the head there. Well, it's interesting that you go back and talk about X-Men because I it's been a long time since I've seen those. In fact, I think I have the the DVDs of the, most of those movies. I don't remember the picking up on that in that. So but back then you you needed to watch something like a director's commentary where he would come out and say, well, this is what my thinking was. And I didn't watch a lot of director's commentaries or interviews right. or whatnot. Yeah. And now it's just so in your face that like we, we don't want you to feel clever because you picked up on it. We just want to tell you, this is what we were after. <laughs> and that's what turns exactly people it. off. It's like, well, if you're telling me before I even go to the movie, how much you're going to preach at me, I'm not going to go to your movie. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I it, you know we're we're consumers. When you watch a show or you go to a film or something like that, you're paying to watch it, and so yeah. it's kind of funny whenever I'll get preachy about kind of these kinds of things. Whenever I'll start talking about you shouldn't be watching this, you shouldn't be investing your money and in, in, into that and stuff, and people will really get upset. You know, who are you to question my entertainment choices or whatever? But this isn't just a waste of your time. It's even a waste of your money. I, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not just thinking about, you know, the the messaging that it will have a negative effect on you, although that should be enough. That's generally what we're critiquing when it comes to watching these kinds of things. But you don't need to spend your money on it. I don't want you to invest in that. 
because then right. they're just going to make more content like that and it's exactly. just going to get worse and worse. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, not just in terms of the messaging that we're listening to, but even the time we're investing and the money we're spending. We have to think about all those kinds of things when it comes yeah. to entertainment. I think about that a lot, you know, and if a movie comes out that I'm not sure about, um, you know, rather than go see it, I don't like to go to the theater any, anyway. I just, it's just not an experience that I overall enjoy. Oh, I do. Um, <laughs> and so, That's an experience. I'm, 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 you know, more and more I'm beginning to miss that. Uh, being okay. able to take my kids to movies, which are just so expensive, but the movies are also so bad. That, well, uh, about four years ago, I, you know, I built this back in 20, like 17, 18, this, this studio I'm in, the office yeah. I'm in. But about four years ago, I built uh, a theater you know, in the other room over there. And so we've got a 120 inch projection in there. Oh yeah. And there you go. It just happened to be done. Coincidentally, I finished it in March of 2020. So right as everything was like, you're going to stay home for two weeks and, um, you know, social distancing and all that stuff and everything shut down anyway, it was perfect timing for that thing to be finished. And, and we just got used to like, well, I'll watch on Amazon prime or I'll watch, you know, we've had, uh, we've had HBO off and on, or we've had, I haven't had Netflix for a number of years now, but we'll just watch. Yeah. Stuff neither have I. That was one. I definitely, I could not, <laughs> I could not justify paying for Netflix anymore. <laughs> oh, well, cuties was what did it for me. Was, that was I, me too. Yep. Same yeah, one. I'm and not. and then it's just gotten, I mean, they haven't learned their lesson. They're producing no. stuff. That's they've got this cartoon out now that uh, they just put, to dads. Oh, the to do. Yeah. I think I saw that blowing up on Twitter. Yeah. So but, that became, that went viral. Yeah. So I think about the money side of things and like, rather than go put down, you know, to take my wife and four kids, the six of us to go out for a movie and then we just get like modest snacks, you know, it's like we're pushing a hundred dollars. That's a lot. The You're six right. Of us. Yeah. And, or I can wait till wait three or four months and I go to the Walgreens, you know, t four blocks away and get it on a, a red box for $2. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we've got a big enough screen here. We can enjoy it just almost as much as we would at the theater. Yeah. I think that's the smart way to go. When I was a bachelor, I had a projector. I never owned a TV. I had a projector and uh, was watching movies on a six foot screen. And my, <laughs> my friends would come over and, and uh, it, it was one of those bright enough projectors. I didn't even have to have a screen. I just needed a white wall behind it. And it, it was like cool. watching a movie. And uh, it, that was that was great. But I, you know, like I said, that's the kind of spectacle that I enjoy. My mm -hmm. wife and I, even when we were dating, we wouldn't go out to watch rom-coms. Uh, even she wanted to go watch the big action movies. You go to a big theater to watch a big, loud movie. Yeah, you don't, well, there, you don't. yeah that definitely there are an occasional movie that as much as I'm not a theater person anymore, you just got to go to the theater while it's there. Yeah. Uh, it's Which, by the like way, very few it, of them these days for me that I got to see it there. Yeah. Very rare that I ever recommend a movie like this, but if you never saw, um, uh, Godzilla, uh, the, the zero one, I can't remember minus one Godzilla minus one or something like that came out at the end okay. of the year. That's a theater experience. Is that still in the theater? I think it would be because oh, my I took my son to go see it at the beginning of December. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So it might still be in theaters, but that's one that's like you know yeah you got to see that one in theaters. Okay. That one has and see that's a great movie too for there's clear messaging behind that film. 
because the whole Godzilla lore is influenced by World War II, what Japan went through in World War II with the atomic bombs and things like that. And you, it's it's just right out front in the Godzilla movie. Hard to kind of miss the connection between Godzilla and and the nuclear bombs, but it's still such a fantastic story. Brings it down on a human level, overcoming uh, difficulties and the and the horrors of war and uh, and things like that. So it's it's a very good story, and though it does have messaging behind it, not preachy, and nor would it even be a message that whether you're politically left or politically right, you would disagree with. I, I think that when people are creating oh, yeah, content- get back to that more. Exactly, They're right, yeah, when, so pe political. when people are creating content like that, I think it does, it, it does kind of drive a particular cultural narrative, but the narrative has become so divided lately into left and right, that it's yeah. it's like you have to be on the left side to enjoy this show or this movie, or you have to be on this political side uh, yeah. to enjoy this show or that movie. And I yeah. get that, you know, some people are going to be making shows because that are like that, because that's their demographic. That's the target that they're trying to appeal to anyway. But, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is sad that we just don't have that, that common medium anymore. Like we used to. So you talked a little bit about like screening things for kids and being careful with what you watch and whatnot, but that can be a big discussion within the church is what do we watch you know where would you put yourself on a spectrum as far as like what you are comfortable with and why are you comfortable with it i'm very very conservative um but i will say um uh, well and as far as our kids go and everything like that we we will watch things that are pg or less with okay. me and the kids um, there is, there's certain violence that I'm not as, I, I don't try to screen as much, um, because violence really, that's the reality of our world. We live in a violent world. I don't want to shelter my kids from the reality of death. I remember when my son was very young, four or five years old, and I don't know if he had picked this up in a movie or a TV show or if it was something a friend told him. You know, I mean, kids can talk about this stuff even at church <laughs> yeah. in, a, in a Wana or Sunday school class or something like that. So I don't know what got this in his head, but he started having fears about bad guys coming in and robbing the house or hurting somebody. And mm -hmm. when I would tuck him in bed and he would ask me questions about that, I didn't want to tell him. Well, buddy, that's never going to happen. You don't have to worry about. It. I didn't want to say that because it could happen. Right. Yeah. Somebody could break into the house and try to kill us or rob the house or whatever else. And so, instead of trying to uh, create a flowery world for him in which nothing bad is ever going to happen to him, instead talking to him about the reality of those things that do take place. Now, what do we need to do? How do we handle that? We need to yeah. trust God. We need to pray. Um, yeah. ask that he will give you courage and trust that, you know, no matter what happens, good or bad, knowing that he's in control and he is taking care of us. And so using those moments for things like that. So even in the entertainment stuff, I don't try to shelter uh, the kids from violence too much. It's kind of interesting that uh, there's a certain level of violence they won't watch naturally. You know, sure. if there's a, a certain TV show or movie that I bring up, my girls in particular, who are nine and seven, they're going to go, no, I don't, I don't want to watch that. It's scary, you know, and I'm yeah. not talking, we're not watching, you know, a very bloody action flick or something like that, but it's just something that's thrilling. The, 
the climate of the story has this thrilling atmosphere to it. And just the fact that that kind of narrative uh, is what's driving the story will make the girls unsettled and uneasy and, and they won't want to watch it because they that's not what entertains them. It doesn't what it, it isn't what uh, uh, the, the feeling they're going for. They want princess stories. You know, they want yeah. they want some adversity and the and the gal overcomes the adversity and the guy still comes to rescue her. You know, they still want stories yeah. like that. But but even going so far because uh, uh, the the violent nature of, of it is just kind of unsettling to them. But as my son is getting older and he's into more action-packed things, like I said, taking him to see Godzilla, which there's a lot of death in that show because you got a big dragon that's stomping all over Tokyo and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, but you know, he wants to watch things like that. He's always been into Transformers and and uh, robots beating each other up, and so we'll watch things like that. And I'll let him see what what he can handle to an extent. There's yeah. some movies and entertainment out there. I'm like, you know, you just don't need to be filling your head with that kind of thing. And yeah. even stuff that I know that I can handle. Um, I'm Well, that's part of the discussion too. I think, I think this is important talking about with kids, but I'm also curious, just like personally, what are you comfortable with? Like, well, a lot. Um, okay. But I, there's, there's two levels of that. I can watch practically anything with violence in it. And it really does not even phase me at all. Okay. Um, there's a lot of layers to that. Uh, part of that is the, you know, the, um, the stuff that I subjected myself to in college that I shouldn't have, you know? Okay. <laughs> so just the fact I'm kind of numb to it anyway, uh, yeah. playing certain video games and watching certain movies where I can, I can watch any level of violence or horror and it just does not affect me that much. Mm -hmm. So that's the first level to it. But the second level to it is spiritually, it does bother me because yep. there, there is something going on here that is a, um, uh, it's either dehumanizing um, or it's, or, or there's a spiritism to it. Like if you're talking about horror movies, that's just very demonic and we shouldn't be entertained by that kind of thing anyway, even though I can handle it doesn't mean mm -hmm. it's something that I should I should necessarily be watching or entertained by. Uh, and like I said, regardless of whether or not you want to say, ah, I can watch it, it's no big deal, the stuff does yeah. get into your head and your heart and it does affect you. And so we do have to be careful with what we're subjecting ourselves to. Yeah, it sounds like you and I are uh, uh, very, very close on a lot. But because um, I think the exact same thing with my kids. I maybe would go a little, my, my boys are a little bit older. Um, and so, uh, we've pushed up maybe into more of a PG 13, you know, even my 16 year old son kind of pulls back if he sees it's rated R. Okay. We're not going to watch that if it's rated R. Yeah. And I, and I really, our biggest concern with R tends to be like nudity would be a big thing. Right. We avoid, and we avoid I, nudity. I think as Christians, we should not be watching that at all. Um, mm -hmm. I, I know that there's people that will try to say, well, it's art and what, and no, it's not art. It's prostitution. Yeah. It's, <laughs> this isn't like, a, like a statue at a museum or a painting uh, at, at, at a gallery or something like that. We're talking about yeah. real people really taking their clothes off. And especially right. when it comes to a sex scene, these are two people really doing with each other. That's not special effects. Like with violence, we know nobody's actually getting killed. That's makeup. It's, it's fake. Um, it's make-believe, but when it comes to uh, having a, a sex scene or a romantic scene in a movie, 
then it's uh, it's two people doing with each other really what you're seeing them do. And it's voyeurism. Like it's, yeah. as I've heard um, Ray Comfort use this example, it's the equivalent to standing outside somebody's bedroom window and watching them do what is supposed to be private, what should be enjoyed only between a husband and a wife in marriage. Right. Yep. You know, it's such a sacred thing that the Bible doesn't even describe it. You go to Song of Songs, which is about a man and a woman courting one another, getting married, and even growing in their intimacy. As much as that book gets called uh, erotic poetry, it's not. The act of sex itself is never described in that book. So even this thing that God has created to be good and enjoyed between a husband and a wife never is described in Scripture. There, there's never a, a description of the act itself. We know what it is. <laughs> you know, We don't have anybody have to describe the act to us. I remember just recently on uh, social media seeing a gal who was not a Christian. She was not a believer and just made the statement, there is never a reason to put a sex scene in a show. And it was like, and it was almost like she just kind of came to this realization with all the stuff that she's watching. Why is this scene even put in there? Why is that even in there? And it was amazing the kind of pushback she got from that. Uh, and there were some people in the comments saying things like, well, it's just art. You know, you got to appreciate yeah. the artistry. And, and yeah, and stuff like that. It was just, just ridiculous. Those kinds of things as Christians, we absolutely should not be putting in front of our eyes. Yeah. And I think as, as far as the the subjectivity of entertainment choices goes, I think that's one concrete thing we can settle on that yep. this in movies and TV shows is not all right. And Hey, I don't care that you like knights and dragons. You shouldn't be watching game of Thrones because HBO builds those shows to be exactly that. HBO is one of the worst progressors of it um, yep. to create these shows that have, it, it's almost like we want to have these sex scenes so let's build a show around it. That seems to be more their objective than the actual entertainment quality. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned that. I think I mentioned earlier. We've got, we've done the HBO a little bit here and there, but um, definitely are, are very careful with what on HBO we're willing to watch. The biggest thing they have the Warner Brothers stuff. That was a big mm -hmm. catch for us was that we could watch the. You know, I was always into the DC. Yeah, you know, Disney. Disney has the Marvel. Uh, comic stuff and then warner brother has has the dc stuff so um again that's you know where it sounds like you and i are are, are similar on what we watch and what we uh, let our kids watch and um just an interesting story on what we were just talking about um i've been having my kids because we homeschool them i've been um coming up with with reading lists for my kids to read oh yeah um, and and mostly secular literature right uh, getting classics, Mark Twain and, you know, all kinds of, you know, just classic literature. And um, I even put them through the summer. They always have a summer reading list. And one of the books that came up, and I hadn't read it myself, but I had my kids read, was The Great Gatsby. And they all went through and read The Great Gatsby. And then I thought, oh, there was a movie not that long ago. Now that all the boys have read it, well, maybe we can watch The Great Gatsby. So I got the movie. But then when I mentioned to the kids that I had it, do you want to watch it? They're like, uh, if there's as much kissing going on in the movie as there was in the book, no thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that's good. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. the values that you've been instilling in them, they're they're putting that into practice. That's great. <laughs> yep. 
So uh, I learned a little too. I, I hadn't screened the book quite as much as maybe I should have, but uh, uh, yeah, books are yeah, a different thing too. I read, I enjoy novels. I really, I mm-hmm. love a good novel. Um, I, in fact, I'm I'm the kind of person that can get so engrossed in a novel that when it's over, I I have withdrawals. Um, I'm like that. That was such a great book. I want to read it again. Or why isn't there more to this book? You know, that's that's the way I can get really pulled into into fiction. There was a book that was recommended to me by a friend of mine that I read last year, and I'm not going to say what it was. I knew nothing about it, absolutely nothing about it. Had never heard of this author or the book before. And when I read it, the uh, the writing style was extremely good. For a while, the plot was not going anywhere. And I, I, the only thing that was keeping me into the book was just because the writing style was so good. But I was just, I was not feeling it at all. I was like, yeah, this plot isn't going anywhere. Well, then about halfway through the book, it took just an incredible turn. And then I couldn't stop reading it. Then it was just like, wow, you know, did not see that coming at all. And mm-hmm. when I would talk to my wife about it, my oldest daughter, 16 uh, or 15, or she's about to turn 16, but she uh, she reads incredibly well, very fast, is, is a more prolific reader than I am. And so she heard me talking with Becky about it and Annie had kind of stepped in and she said, can I read it? And I said, <laughs> uh, at the point that I was at in the book, I said, yeah, let me finish it up and then I'll give it back to you. But the, the way that it wrapped up in the second half, I was <laughs> like, no, <laughs> this it, it's not that she couldn't ever read it, but it, it yeah, just has more adult older. themes to it. Yeah, that I think then a teenager would be prepared for. So mm-hmm. uh, so later on and there's things that I've even told my kids that have my older two in particular, 15 and 12, who have asked me, dad, can we watch this? And I've responded, you know, in a, in a kind way, but I've said, not as yeah. long as you're under my roof, you won't see that movie. Yeah. And I, I said, later on, if it's something that you decide on your own, you want to watch, that's up to you. Yeah. But as long well, we as we have you're a here, few of those on our list too. That yeah. We think maybe when you're older, you should watch, but right now, no. Yeah. Right. Um, in fact, one of them we're going back and forth on recently was um, Forrest Gump. You know, that Forrest Gump oh. is such a classic and there there are some some really good aspects to that. We think that eventually they probably should see Forrest Gump. But there are a few things in that movie that are just like, eh. Yeah. Well, let's, you let's used, wait. I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. yeah. But, but you use the word should. I, I'm of the opinion nobody should watch anything. Okay. <laughs> you well. you can watch it, but, you know, it's uh, like a, there's nothing that I'm ever putting in front of somebody well, and say, hey, watch this. It's great. That sort of thing. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm glad you put it that way because, yeah, that's maybe just my colloquial way of putting it, but um, understanding just the culture that we live in that, and, and Forrest Gump, you know, there are things that I think are um, cultural values that I think are positive that are not, they're not necessarily biblical, but they're not anti-biblical either. Um, you know, like defending your country or. Um, you know, he, yeah, a war movie a, or something of that degree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, which can almost be that can almost be documentary like to a certain degree. I, you know, you're watching a dramatization of it, but even yeah. documentaries are not all. Uh, they're not always sharing 
you know, an unbiased take on a particular oh, yeah, historical yeah. event. <laughs> yeah. So whether you're whether you're watching a documentary film or you're watching uh, something that is a movie, yeah. yeah. And this is this is something else that has kind of entered into the debate, especially in our circles, like in in reformed thought, of of people saying, you know, is listening to a book the same as watching or or reading it rather? Yeah. Um, and and I've seen some interesting takes on that. Um, for me, I'm of the opinion where it's like, what difference does it make? Whether you're reading it with your eyes or you're listening to somebody else reading it for you, you're getting the same information anyway. Yeah. But I've seen some others that are more professor-like in their um, in their thinking that have made the argument, no, you need to be reading it and you know going through the process of digesting it. There's a, there's a different yeah. process in your brain that's happening. There is a different process. Uh, you know, my mind wanders. My wine will wander either way. Yeah. But I'll stay more focused on it if I'm reading it. If I'm listening, I might go looking for things I can be doing while I listen. Even if it's just exactly yeah, cleaning off the counters in here and you know picking up the room a little bit. But it, and it might not be much, but it's going to take my attention away at least a little tiny bit. Yeah, so. yeah. With a novel, I don't enjoy listening to it because I almost feel like the person who's reading it to me is inserting, you know, their uh, just with their tone and their inflict inflection and the way that they'll yeah. read certain phrases, there's too much of the reader behind it that I don't want there. So when it comes to reading a novel, I like it better if I can just read it. Yeah. But sometimes with nonfiction, um, uh, like reading Puritan books or something like that, yeah, if I'm going to be driving in the car, I'd rather just pull something up and I'll have somebody read it to me. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like listening to a sermon. Yeah. Yeah, it can be. And uh, yeah, in our busy lives, sometimes, yeah, it's a good way to consume more stuff. And, and so that's a good way to prioritize stuff. The stuff that you really want to be focused on, like your novels, sit down and read. And for stuff that you can ingest one way or another, yeah, audios are a great way to go. Yeah. But in everything we do, I mean, you know, it's like Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So mm -hmm. entertainment is not an area where we can just unplug our faith and decide, okay, now I've got this, this own little uh, vector or compartment that I can, I can uh, uh, kind of detach myself from all of my moral convictions and just enjoy a good story. That's, that's wrong. That, that is um, compartmentalizing Christ when Christ is supposed to yeah. be everything. And so even when it comes to the entertainment that we watch, we have to be mindful of you know, am I doing this even to the glory of God? And so it's common for me to talk with my kids about what it is that they've been watching and what would, what does scripture say about that? Like if you were, if you had a friend that had gone through what you had just watched in this movie, how would you encourage them with scripture or how might you pray about it or something like that? So those mm -hmm. things uh, become good conversation. We have indications from scripture that, you know, Paul probably had read the poets because he quotes Epimenides twice when he's at uh, the Areopagus in Acts 17 and then to Titus in Titus 1 uh, is a quote from Epimenides there as well. So Paul was obviously a very versed reader in those things that had been written by secularists, by, by the Gentiles. And so uh, it, it, there's, there's nothing in Scripture that's giving us any sort of command that we can't be in those realms at all. But when it comes to how we handle that entertainment, how do we do this wisely? How do we do it in a way that still honor 
honoring of God and still arresting our thoughts and taking captive every thought and making it obedience, uh, making it obedient to Christ as we're told to do yeah. as well. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I, I, I got this. I didn't use it. I didn't want to interrupt <laughs> you. I had a question and I didn't interrupt you. Normally I'll write it down. I should have done that, but uh, I don't remember where I was going to go. Well, we're real professional here, as we said. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I guess. Um, oh, you know, we were talking about like, uh, before we started, we talked a little bit about, um, I think I compared entertainment in some ways to, um, Paul in, in first Corinthians talking about, um, meat sacrifice to idols. Yeah. In eight and, through 10. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, cause I think you had mentioned, uh, your brothers and, and recommending stuff that you regret um, yeah. years and years ago. And so part of where I had set out when I asked, like, what are you comfortable with was also like, well, how do we uh, approach that with like weaker brethren who maybe wouldn't do so well with stuff that you and I might be comfortable with? Right. Yeah. So like I had said, I said this in a, a little bit in the beginning that there was a period of time where, Man, I, I love talking about movies and TV shows and the music that I was listening to. I wanted to share it with everybody. And uh, I grew up in a very, um, it, I wouldn't call it an independent fundamentalist household. Uh, if somebody saw the way that my parents kind of restricted the things that we would watch and listen to, that's probably the way that they would describe it. I don't get that feeling about it. I mean, we were, okay. we still watched, there were things that my parents let me watch that today if I was talking with my mom and dad about it, I'd say, why did you let me watch? <laughs> so, uh, but music, especially, you know, we could only listen to Christian music. I grew up in a Christian radio home. I worked at a Christian radio station and I really appreciate that. I love that. I grew up in that kind of environment. And so even when my kids were listening to, you know, Michael Jackson in the nineties, and I would ask my dad if I could record one of those songs off the radio or something, and he would tell me, no, um, I'm, I'm, fine with that. You know, I, I may have been frustrated about it when I was a kid, but now looking back on it, I'm glad that those kinds of boundaries were, were set in that place. Yeah. It was fairly selective. It wasn't, it wasn't very consistent. So then when I got into college and I'm exploring a lot more than I was able to do when I was living at home, I was coming home and I was bringing the stuff that I'm watching and listening to home to my brothers who were still in high school and, uh, and still living at home with my parents. And my parents didn't really care that I was bringing that kind of stuff home. It was almost like they became more lax with my younger siblings than they had been with me. And so there was there were there were certain songs that I had introduced my brothers to, and uh, and later He's on gonna, a couple of years. Go oh, ahead. Sorry, I shouldn't interrupt you. I was just going to ask you if this was the Ninja Turtles. No, it wasn't. No, that's... <laughs> no, no, your brothers, have... you, you, you were sharing with me when I was in Arizona that you and your brothers were, were Ninja Turtles. That's right. We're, I have three brothers <laughs> and all four of us shared the characteristics of the Ninja Turtles. And so we kind of, uh, we kind of became that. Sorry, um, I shouldn't have interrupted you there. You that's were... all right. That's all right. It's funny though. Yeah. It, and I mean, that kind of demonstrates, you know, how much, how much entertainment was even among us in our home, though my parents were kind of strict and limiting what we could and couldn't watch. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, bringing those things home, letting my brothers listen to songs that my parents otherwise wouldn't let them listen to. And then a few years later, two or three years later, this was when I was out of college. My own brothers were in college now. Um, one of my brothers had 
said to a friend that he wasn't a Christian anymore and he wasn't uh, uh, he wasn't a follower of Christ. That friend had gotten in touch with me and said, I think you need to talk to your brother about this. And so we had a conversation about it one night. And one of the things he told me when I asked him, why don't you believe anymore? He said this line that I was like, that is almost verbatim from a John Mayer song. And it was a song that I had given to him. Oh, and, and I was, and so it ate me up for a long time. I was I feeling I like was, yeah. the movies and the music that I was exposing my brothers to when my parents, you know, had a tighter rein on us when we were living at home. Did I introduce them to stuff that eventually caused them to question their faith and, and lead them into secularism, secular humanism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, you can, you can see how secular humanism is, is just torn my siblings' lives apart. And so there was a there was a period of time that I really wrestled with that. I really wondered and had a lot of blame that I took on myself. How much of that did I introduce into my siblings that eventually led them away from the Lord? And so yeah, for a long was time that permanent then, then or with your uh, brother? Oh yeah, yeah. He's still he's still not a believer. Um okay. and, and it's uh it's a very well, I'll put it this way, it's more of a deist kind of a kind okay. of a faith i think is is what he has but um which is common even among among my siblings but yeah for so for a long time there i really kind of beat myself up and would not be willing to talk about movies or music at all and uh and i i didn't want to put anything in front of anybody that was make them stumble just like you were talking about out of first corinthians 8 through 10 paul saying if my eating meat is going to cause a brother to stumble it's better for me to not eat meat at all and entertainment choices can be so subjective and for me, it's like, it's better that I just not watch any movies or yeah. TV shows at all if it's going to cause a friend of mine to stumble. And there's still, or, or a member of my congregation or church, you know, or something like that. There's still some things with regards to like branding. Uh, as a pastor, I will not wear a brand. I won't wear any any brand names or even advert, like I won't wear a Star Wars shirt. And that's because people who know that I'm a pastor, I don't want there to be any sense that I'm advertising any of that. Sure. So it may come up in conversation, but I'm, I'm still very careful with what kind of, what kind of messaging I'm projecting just yeah. in the clothing that I wear and things like that. Um, Eki, uh, uh, Tepsa Pornchai and, uh, Nathaniel Jolly and I just had a conversation about that very thing. You know, like what a, what a pastor conveys by what he wears, um, with the truth be known podcast for those who are familiar with that one you on can, the Christian podcast network. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so anyway, the, um, uh, it, but Sorry, Christian I've, podcast I've kinda, community, I don't, yeah, there you go. Andrew's going to be upset with me today. Christian <laughs> podcast community. There was a, uh, it, but since my kids, how do you not know what it's called? <laughs> <laughs> I can hear that coming from Andrew. <laughs> But since, like I said, since my, my kids have come up and I like talking about these things with my kids, um, it's made me a lot more open to having having those a more open discussion about what kind of things can we watch. I'm still not going to do, like on my blog, I'm not going to do a review of a movie in which I'm going to say, hey, go see this. I'm just not going to sure. do that. Yeah. But I can, I can tell you, here's the content of the film, especially with Christian movies, because that's usually what I end up critiquing are those things that present themselves as faith films. Yeah. Um, here, here's the content of the movie. Here's what you can expect. Here's 
you know, whether you should have a Christian movie night and watch this or not, that's going to be up to you. You can be the one to be free to make the choice whether to watch it or not. But um, uh, I'm still going to take the position of I might give you a review, but I'm just not going to say, hey, go watch this because that's a that's a personal decision. Yeah, I have two films that I'm going to. Sorry, I'm just uh, getting a little distracted here. <laughs> um, no, I had a little Mac message popped up. Um, two films that I would recommend. One is called Jerusalem's King and the other is called The Conquest. And you can see both of them at echozoe.locals.com and they're behind the paywall. But, but oh, yeah. if you just sign up, there there's three pinned comments and one of them is a, a promo code you can use to get behind the paywall for free. And the other two are the films. So you just look for the three pinned comments at echozoe.locals.com. <laughs> gotcha. But, yeah. One of those you sent to me uh, when I was still living in Kansas and I never got around to watching it. You it would probably would have been the Jerusalem's King. It was the first. Yeah, it must have been. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, generally I just, uh, I, I totally agree. I, I'm kind of like our, our Twitter circle, you know, oh, if, if I see a movie, I might say, Hey, I enjoyed this or whatever. I'm not going to say, you know, you got to go see it, but um yeah, we were talking years ago, like we said earlier tonight, we talked about the, the, the Arrowverse, they called it, Arrow and Flash. And it seemed like every show they spun off got worse and worse and more woke. You know, they, <laughs> it did. I'm not surprised. I, mean, um, know, I used to watch. Inject the, you know, it was injecting homosexuality for a while. And then it got to Batgirl, who like. Uh, that was wasn't her character lesbian? Like the character was a lesbian. Yeah. So it was like, it wasn't even that they had to tweak it much but that one flopped i don't think it lasted very long i never watched that but i am never entertained by that i mean I, you know yeah. the messaging becomes so upfront that it's like i can't even watch this i you know <laughs> exactly it's yeah. it's just message pushing and i can't even enjoy this yeah. at all it's a shame that they're trying to take you know those licensed things that we've enjoyed even from our childhoods and trying yeah. to use that to push messaging on kids um but yeah, with the, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I used to watch Smallville, and I was in college when Smallville came out. It, it, I never saw that one. I saw a lot of a lot of people liked it. Yeah, it debuted in 2001, yep. so it was, uh, and it went for ten seasons. That that's wow. unheard of um, yeah. <laughs> for a WB show, especially to last that <laughs> yeah. long. I did not watch that much of it. I watched the first few seasons and was very entertained by it. But then after you know they. It, this is supposed to be about Clark Kent growing up in Smallville. When you do that for 10 years, you're way beyond the, the plot. <laughs> yeah. Now that what yeah. the, the plot that you originally, <laughs> originally set out to tell. So yeah. I, I tried to go back and watch it recently and, uh, Oh, it's so bad. I could, is it? <laughs> it is incredibly corny. Uh, I know that I've actually had on the back of my mind just thinking, you know, someday maybe I never watched it to begin with, but maybe I'll go back and no. you know, like, okay. <laughs> All right. There might be a few episodes you'll like, but, but yeah, uh, it was, it's not that great. Uh, um, I mean, there's things like that. Cause I'd go back and watch it and wonder this, this stuff is on streaming now. So maybe my kids at some point, if they're going to ask me, Hey, can I watch this? Cause I know you used to watch it. That way I can be somewhat familiar with it. But yeah, even with a show like that, which was supposed to be about Superman, they'll they'll throw all kinds of sexual stuff in there. 
Yeah. Um, girls taking their clothes off and trying to seduce Clark Kent, you know? And yeah. so, uh, yeah, there's just things like that. Don't, they don't need to be in our entertainment, even, yeah. even when it's from a, from a certain cultural standpoint on the mild side, this is stuff. If you think about it, 40 years ago was completely taboo and forbidden in the culture. And yeah. now it's like, it's, it's regularly in a TV show for a, a girl to strip down for, uh, to her underwear. Yeah. No, I, the one I, I am going back on, I, 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 I liked the Star Trek, uh, franchise and I, I didn't, you know, the original series was before my time and I'd watched reruns here and there, but I got into the next generation. Oh, love the then, next generation. Yeah. Uh, you know, watched, uh, deep space nine and Voyager. And then around that time, the one that came out that I had never watched was enterprise. So that's one I am now going back and I'm, you know, like, I think I'm almost done with season two and there's four seasons and yeah, it's a, it's an okay show, but yeah, even that, <laughs> like there's, there's a few episodes that I'm just like, Oh man, I'm glad I'm watching on my phone with headphones and my, my family can't hear it. Cause or my kids, especially cause yeah, I think there's one where one of the guys was like, uh, it was almost like, uh, possessed by a, an alien and the alien's really curious and he starts like getting coming on to one of the female characters, a couple of the female characters pretty hard, like asking her to remove her clothing and whatnot. And I'm like, Oh, just providential. Good thing. I'm watching by myself with headphones on. Cause oh, I don't yeah, want sure. my kids right. walking in and hearing that. Right. Yeah. Even, right. you know, I have to think about that at night too. I'll watch things when the kids go to bed. Now, really most of what I'm doing at night is when we understand the text. So yeah. <laughs> everybody goes to bed and I'm recording the podcast or working on a video and that that's yeah. most evenings. But if I ever get into a TV show when everybody else has gone to bed, I still am careful with, I know that what I'm going to watch is going to be okay for when the kids walk in the room um, because, you know, yeah. somebody has to get a drink of water or go to the bathroom or something like that. So even when it comes to private personal choices, I'm still, yeah, I'm still being mindful of, you know, Definitely. even though I think this is okay for me and I can handle it still have to be careful about what, uh, what my kids are going to observe. Yeah. Well, Gabe, we've gone, uh, we're about an hour and a quarter now. So Alrighty. I think that was a good discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Probably time to wrap up, but, but, uh, yeah, thanks so much for, uh, bringing the topic and, and having a discussion with me. Yeah. If, if there's anybody that's kind of curious in, uh, as to more of this, especially uh, the Christian music side of it, Adam mm -hmm. Page and I have talked about doing a podcast uh, because both he and I grew up Christian music kids in the 90s. And so okay. we're talking about doing something where we're kind of going back and revisiting all the, all the uh, 90s CCM stuff <laughs> and the kind okay. of cultural impact that had. And we'll talk more in there too about the, the kinds of things that we should be thinking about as far as entertainment choices, even with Christian music. And there was a period you, of time. Have you when, started this yet? You haven't started. No, this we yet? haven't. It's still in the discussion phase and okay. we're still kind of like putting ideas together. Like this episode could be about this and this episode about that. And that sounds like interesting. That. Yeah. But even, you know, for a long time, I, uh, because I was a Christian radio guy, I would get invited to come speak at youth groups and I would talk about their, mostly their music choices. I think we'd, we'd get into entertainment broadly, but I was mostly mm -hmm. talking about what you're listening to and then going through, I would go through the top 10 songs on the list that week and like, look at the lyrics of the songs and, and show the kids, this is, this is what you're listening to on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. 
But um, uh, there was a period of time when I was doing that talk, when I would recommend, hey, instead of listening to this guy, listen to this one instead. But there, there came a point where, because I had been behind the scenes in the Christian music world, and I knew some of the stuff that went on um, and, and that most people don't see, I couldn't even recommend the Christian music stuff anymore. Mm. And so really it just, it, the, the approach then became, I'm not here to give you an alternative. I'm just here to tell you, here's what scripture says, and here's what you need to be careful of with regards to what you're letting in your mind and let, letting feed you. Who's giving you messages? Is it coming from the Lord or is it coming from the prince of the power of the air? And yeah. so, uh, so that became the approach to the talk after that. I wasn't trying to do an alternate, an, an alternative, because you can see now that, I mean, uh, even bands like Jars of Clay and DC Talk have become pro-LGBTQ. That used to be yeah. such icons in the history of Christian music. Yeah. Yeah, I look forward to that show if you guys put that together. It sounds like a, a, something I'd listen to. Oh, great. If we ever uh, come up with a name for it, a time when we're going to release it, I'll let you know. <laughs> Sounds good. So, Well, thanks, Gabe. It's great to have you back and looking forward to the next one. All right. God bless you, brother. We'll talk to you Me later. Too. Echo Zoe Radio is an outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries. If you are blessed by the show, please consider offering your support. There are many things you can do to help, including prayer, sharing the show with others, and your financial support. Echo Zori Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax-exempt status, and your donations are tax-deductible. For more information about how you can support Echo Zoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support. That wraps up episode 189. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. For show notes, visit echozoe.com 189. Please also check out the Christian Podcast Community, there's an ever-going list of fantastic shows focusing on all sorts of topics, and you'll find them all at christianpodcastcommunity.org. Lord willing, we'll be back next month with the February episode of Echo Zoe Radio. 